everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, and anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. Thank you all so much for joining me today. This is a question and answer based podcast. If you would like a question, or if you have a question about OCD and anxiety and would like it uh, uh, answered here on this podcast, go to fearcastpodcast.com and you can click on the submit a question link and I will uh, send me the message there. I will read it, consider it, and likely put it up on a future episode. You can also send me an audio question over at uh, Instagram. You can find me over at uh, Fearcast Podcast at Instagram. Uh, if you uh, send me an audio question over there, and there's some instructions on my uh, um, profile page there, um, uh, it will shoot right to the top of the list and will be uh, put up at the next uh, available episode. So um, today's episode, I had Justin Hughes uh, to talk about community within OCD, and uh, I'm going to introduce him uh, shortly. Uh, but uh, I hope everybody's doing well over over the holiday break. I know that um, this episode is coming out late just due to all sorts of craziness and scheduling and all that, but um, uh, I hope that this is a, a peaceful time, an enjoyable time. I know for some it can be a difficult time, um, but I hope for everybody out there listening, you are finding uh, some peace and uh, happiness and joy and hope that uh, perhaps you're you're looking for. So we don't want to uh, uh, belabor too much time here at the very top. Let me just tell you a little bit about Justin and we'll jump into the episode. So Justin Hughes is the owner of Dallas Counseling. He is a, a clinician, a writer, and is passionate about helping those impacted by OCD. He serves as the IOCDF's OCD and Faith Task Force and is the Dallas Ambassador for OCD Texas. Working with a diversity of clients, he is also tra- uh, dual trained in psychology and theology, regular- regularly helping anybody to understand the interaction between faith and OCD uh, and-, and most commonly with a Christian population. So um, I had a great time chatting with Justin um, and uh, you'll-, you'll hear what we're going to talk about. Uh, we focus mainly on community and his work with community. Um, and uh, I, I do hope to have Justin on to talk a little bit more about uh, his work with uh, religious scrupulosity and some of that that overlap between OCD and faith in future episodes. But uh, I hope everybody enjoys this episode with Justin Hughes. So without further ado, here's my interview with Justin. Right, so uh, welcome everybody to uh, the Fearcast, and uh, today I have with me Justin Hughes, uh, who's gonna who uh, kindly decided to or kindly agreed to uh, uh, show up today to talk about OCD treatment, and also um, as we were talking a little bit beforehand um, or before uh, off air. Uh, talking about community and what community looks like within the context of treatment, how community can be used for treatment, uh, and, uh, I, and and how perhaps you, the listener, can utilize your community for, for treatment. So first off, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Yeah. Well, so so t- you you were you when I mentioned community when we were talking about that you, you got really really excited about the idea of <laughs> you're, you in the audio medium people can't see that he put up his hands with fists pumping and fists and pumping in, ex- in excitement. <laughs> this is obviously something that uh, that gets you going. But t- so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what it, what it, what community means to you and community means within the context of OCD treatment. 
Mm, yeah. And thanks for starting with the personal question on that. What community means to me. I mean, it's such an important facet of life uh, in just <laughs> everything. Um, so my day-to-day life, uh, actually one of the posts that I'm working on today is reflecting on the support behind the scenes that I have. So people will hear me on a podcast, they see a post, they see me in the clinical office, but they don't see all those supports behind the scenes. And I was specifically thinking of my wife, Emily, today, um, and pointing that out as we're celebrating our, <laughs> yes, we still do this nine years later, our engage anniversary, <laughs> nine years of being engaged. But I was thinking about it and it's like, yeah, like she, she doesn't get that credit that uh, so much of what I do and what I am uh, goes back to all that support beyond the scenes. Maybe that's emotional, maybe that's conversational, uh, affection, uh, all the things that, uh, that help in ultimately, even though she's a big source of that, it's not the only source that uh, my church community, uh, my supportive, uh, actually, recovery community as well in my life, um, and so on and so forth, uh, are just so important. So, do I have a personal stake in this? Yes. (laughs) Do I still stay objective with clients? Yeah, always working towards that, (laughs) and uh, and do. But on the, the side for uh, treatment, speaking more on the clinical uh, side of that, especially when it comes to OCD and anxiety treatments, I haven't yet come across any sort of, I uh, use the word manualized approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a strong evidence base for the role of community and supports in recovery outcomes. And this <laughs> ranges from different medical uh, conditions. Uh, well, medical, right? Yeah, brain stuff. It's medical too. But the (laughs) cancer treatment and supports. So, for example, clients will come in and talk about going as a family to a cancer camp Mm. with with a kiddo Mm -hmm. to support each other. And siblings go and they're there. And (laughs) we see this in the literature with recovery uh, from drugs and alcohol. But then there's a paucity in the literature and the research uh, towards this when it comes to things like OCD and anxiety. And and the reality is some people may not need that to get Mm -hmm. really great outcomes. And a lot of people don't, in fact. Some people desperately need it, I believe. Um, And the reality is I think it can benefit everyone. All right. I mean, well, first off, congratulations on your engage anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. Nine years. Nine. <laughs> We've been married eight years. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, this this is a good time. I was going to say, if 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 I were to celebrate that, we got engaged on on uh, September eleventh. So it's it's a it's a more somber day, but oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. not two thousand one. It was a lot later. But um, e- either way, okay. yours sounds like a lot more fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun day. <laughs> yes, but. Um, all right, so so have so you've talked about yeah, like there's 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 evidence for and structures for community for these other things, but not really a discussion for community and inc- mm-hmm. the, the inclusion of family or whatever somebody is defining as their community for mm-hmm. OCD and anxiety treatment. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose why why do you suppose that is? Mm. If you could speculate, I'm asking you to speculate here. Unless you, unless you know the answer. No, certainly don't have the answer okay. uh, with it. Um, I don't know. So, 
I will say this. So with, I'll speak towards OCD specifically. Okay. OCD is uh, a particularly isolating condition. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it's the most, it's definitely not the least. I don't know where, but throughout history, as we study it, and even before uh, like pre-clinical history, mm-hmm. so prior to Freud, prior to so on and so forth, um, it, it was written about, and part of what was written about was a concept that we call now preservation of insight. People who had it or people who were observing it would talk about the oddity of people suffering with uh, these thoughts that would keep repeating, but they were rational enough to realize they were ridiculous, Mm -hmm. and yet they couldn't stop it. Uh, And this was so noted that when the medical literature came along, um, there was a term called partial insanity because everything was insanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if a person didn't appear stable, it's not the terms we use today, but it was labeled partial insanity. Mm. I think a French psychiatrist, J.E.D. Esquirel, uh, was maybe the first, one of the first to label this. And so I think of it kind of historically, the well before our current diagnostic nomenclature, like we, um, uh, we've had a really good sense that the person feels torn up by how ridiculous the obsessions appear to be most of the time. Mm-hmm. They have that insight. And there's a lot of shame. Depression is super common. Shame is super common. Uh, and I don't think there's a... Most people do not experience a lot of shame uh, or <laughs> whether it's internalized or externalized for saying, hey, I have PTSD. Uh, mm-hmm. Or even a phobia, people kind of get that sometimes, or generalized worries. You know, a lot of times people are just like, yeah, me too, or whatever else. And while people say that inappropriately with OCD, like, oh, yeah, me too, uh, the reality is when we actually get into the details uh, of that, there, it is a shame generating disorder left mm-hmm. and right. So, I can't say that this is the reason um, for possibly not getting in community as much, but it probably doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much shame in, involved with. Uh, I, I, I think the vast majority of my clients who ex- are suffering with OCD or are living with OCD also mm-hmm. experience a certain amount of shame, um, you know, on a on a wide spectrum. And and you, you mentioned it's it's isolating. I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's a really yeah uh, r- r- yes it's certainly isolating and a lot of people just feel mm-hmm. like they suffer they suffer alone with it or you know we've 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 all seen people or all perhaps have known somebody who you know can kind of hold it together when they're out in public they go to school go to work uh, even mm-hmm. are in relationships with people and can hold it together but then once they are home and mm-hmm. and alone and, or in their safe spaces they can you know, let their hair down as it were, kind of let out and give into some of their compulsions further Mm -hmm. sending this message that they are, they are isolated. Their true self is alone. So, Mm -hmm. so how, so if, if we were to incorporate community into treatment um, and, 
it sounds like you've also incorporated community into, into treatment with some of your clients. What does community look like and, and what can someone benefit from including community within their treatment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does community look like? So I think it's broad and varied. Um, so some people automatically might feel afraid of, Oh, what does that look like? And uh, they're, I have no presupposition about exactly what that has to look like for, for clients uh, walking in. Sometimes it's going to be more obvious um, where getting involved in something supportive uh, related to OCD. I mean, going to uh, conferences, international conference or uh, state conferences and so forth. I mean, OCD SoCal um, mm-hmm. is uh, been a part of that uh, in these past few years with uh, moving to virtual have gotten to, to speak some great programming. So I, I think that those are some of the great ways um, that, uh, that that it looks like that uh, many times. And it, it's truly a range. Like I think uh, I don't have it in front of me. I want to go for the dictionary definition, but I'll lean into my own imperfection here. Um, uh, I think community at its most basic level is connection with another person uh, in a meaningful way. And that really can even be a passing conversation. Uh, many clients will say, hey, like I, I surprised myself. A coworker opened up about anxiety or OCD or, or even something else. And because I've done just a little bit of this work or I've done a lot of this work, I was able to, in that moment, say, hey, just want you to know, actually, I'm uh, in, in therapy for obsessive compulsive disorder, for generalized anxiety disorder, for X, Y, Z. And that's community right mm-hmm. there. And maybe it's a five-minute conversation, 10-minute conversation. Uh, clients who say people opened up more because they self-initiated that. Um, those are uh, small and big examples alike of that. And certainly um, at higher and higher levels, um, people can be really open with their stories and become the advocates. <laughs> Jump on a pe- podcast with uh, Kevin Foss and uh, any number of other folks. Uh, so I think it's really broad and varied. Now, I'm happy I'll take a pause. So I'm not just monopolizing the time. I'm happy to flesh out other more specific ways. But as to community and what that can look like, it is broad and varied, and it really starts super simple, just connecting with another person. Yeah, I, 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 I like that. I, I like the idea of, of thinking about community in this, in this uh, kind of a, a, a spectrum or a gradation. Because, um, you know, when, when, we, when, I, when I hear the word community, my brain immediately goes to groups of people, large yep. groups of people. Yep. Yep. Right? Yep. Or group therapy. <laughs> group therapy can be part of that, uh-huh. right? But and, and I think that would, you know, again, fit, fits within that. Sure. I mean, my, again, my association is it's like, all right, it's your, it's your nuclear family. It's your, you know, church community. It's your school community. It's your coworkers. It's like your, or and your, your weirdo neighbor across the way. It's mm-hmm. your community. And that's maybe one definition, but it can all it can go all the way down to just as you said that singular person, that person that you meet, the the person that you know that you are communicating with and sharing something with and expressing some vulnerability with, or at least just being together in something and on something, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everything in between, and. Um, 
uh, so I, you know, I think that when, you know, if someone's a little hesitant to, you know, listen to this podcast and think about, well, you know, in order to have recovery from OCD, I've got to tell everybody I know, and I've got to be you know, the most transparent <laughs> yeah. person and that, you know, the, the, the Instagram person who's talking about their, their anxiety on a day to day basis. And it's not true. It can be as simple yeah. as curating that, the, the people and the small groups of people with whom you let in. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent observation. I'm really glad you said that because of a lot of those hesitations that naturally come up. And, and even for those that don't have a disorder, <laughs> mm-hmm. if they're not super connected in a community, just hearing uh, that term can <laughs> frighten a lot of folks. Right. And yeah. So, so when you're working with someone and, and talking with them about uh, about community, and you get to that point in treatment where you're saying, "Hey, let's start incorporating some some of your community," how how is that conversation broached, and how is it, in, you know, in, in a sense, sold, right? Because you know, some people need it need some coaxing, some convincing to bring people into the process, especially if that element of shame is there. Like, why would I be vulnerable to share this with somebody else if you know, this is the worst and the scariest and the most terrifying thing that I've ever mm-hmm. talked about. And gosh, you know, I, I, I know mm-hmm. I'm rambling here, but I'm, I've been that person where I'm the first person that person has told mm-hmm. about their fears. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. So, wh- so what's the selling point? What's that conversation like about incorporating other people? Yeah, for three hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety five cents and four payments of, I will get you into community today oh of your choosing. No. <laughs> Yeah, all yeah, listeners, look if, out. If this for, therapy <laughs> business doesn't work out, I mean, Carnival Barker is up your alley. It sounds great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, here's the greatest thing about the community. Um, actually, the best elements of community are always going to be free. <laughs> uh, so, yep, anybody who's charging for authentic connection, human connection, and that's Are you picking a on shady. sorority and fraternity community right now? <laughs> I didn't say nothing. <laughs> okay, right. I didn't hear nothing. Okay, so so it, it's the, the the best community is free. The best community is is who you know. How does one start to incorporate yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. The how. Uh, so, what does this look like in a lot of sessions? I mean, first of all, uh, clients, uh, listeners have a bunch of ideas, and sometimes it's just starting to move, you know, towards that. Uh, direction, trying a little bit more. Some people are really well connected uh, as well and don't necessarily have to do something more as well. But in in sessions, um, there's a lot of things that begin to touch on community. So first of all, uh, client comes and uh, it's a young adults living at home uh, or child. Uh, obviously going to be working with the parents and those are really quickly accessible ways or the person who's married or as a significant other, a partner uh, really quickly. Uh, I'm already for the type of work that I do encouraging folks to be thinking about most of the time, 90% of cases, 85% of cases saying, Hey, uh, if you'd ever like to invite your loved one in here, if they're not already, uh, would, do you want to, could we do that? Um, because 
if we're treating a whole uh, thing that helps to have more support, there's a whole kind of system to it. You want to decrease accommodations of compulsions or help decrease those safety behaviors, um, then let's let's get that person in and sooner rather than later. And some people are really quick with that. Some people are really slow and some people just really don't want to. And um, a lot of times there can be a lot of choice, sometimes not. So a lot of choice would be, you know, a lot of times that maybe adult clients that they are able to buy into the treatments and by and large set up those things in their life, both internally and externally in a helpful way for their recovery. Um, But in a really obvious sense, you know, sometimes when even if it's that young adult client who's uh, experiencing more quote failure to launch, um, they they may have so many struggles or even more resistance uh, towards working on compulsions that uh, getting that community uh, participating and, and showing up when it's indicated to do so is really really helpful to help them break through. So. Uh, kind of expanded upon that but in a simple sense that's going to come up naturally uh for for me at least when it comes down to hey what do you need to get this therapy done <laughs> mm-hmm. how can i get you in and out of here and then also if you want to stay a little bit longer how can we uh connect even more with meaning in your life and the things that are important because uh most everyone at the end of the day is going to say on their top list of things of what matter is not necessarily the, the clothes, the cardigans that we wear as sweaters, sweaters as therapists, or uh, the money, the cars. It's going to be the people. And so, hey, how how can we integrate, intersect? And those who are familiar with the ACT model, acceptance and commitment therapy, know implicitly that community is going to be really central, uh, at least as a question, uh, towards identifying one's one's values. So. You know, these can be pretty natural conversations uh, in therapy. Right, right. So let's say there's someone out there who's who's wondering about the, uh, you know, is is still hung up on the why of community, mm-hmm. right? That, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's a it's it it's it's my it's my it's my OCD. It's my anxiety. Mm-hmm. I should be the you know I should be the one who takes care of it, who works with it, mm-hmm. and fixes it. Uh, and you know, I don't want to be a burden yeah. on my my partner, my parents, my you know, fill in the blank. Um, you know, what what? How do you address the, the, the that hesitancy? Um, yeah. You know, for someone who who thinks it's 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 all on their shoulders and yeah. isn't really going to get them anywhere. Yeah, thanks for asking that. That's really uh, incisive, uh, insightful question. Um, so two things one would be overall values and beliefs a comment about that and uh second of all um motivational interviewing uh and some of the act work so um in my experience uh most clients come to me with at least on paper the desire to be at a certain place in relationships intimacy uh, etc. And this is where, uh, from uh, the standpoint of religious beliefs, worldview, mm-hmm. uh, even non-religious <laughs> beliefs, philosophically, we'll all use the term that's very broad of worldview. Um, most 
uh, most people are going to come in uh, with <laughs> with a, a good list of things that they can at least state that they would like to accomplish. So let's just take intimacy for example. If a person says, uh, "I really dislike how uh, me feeling uncertain and then feeling the need to compulse gets in the way of my love life. Mm. I'm really tired of." asking my significant other for reassurance and they're getting tired of it too. And I love them. I want them to, to be free of that too. I want to be free of this too. And I haven't been able to, to break free. Um, and with ROCD, <laughs> that's, this is going to be really, really key, of course. Um, but across the board, it can be tiresome for everyone, even if it's contamination OCD. Uh, and so most people are already going to have something in my experience on paper of, um, uh, I desire an authentic relationship with my spouse where they know my highs and lows. Um, doesn't mean every word, every second, every thought, um, but maybe they know the big picture things that I can ask for help when I need it. Um, I think most people have come across to have some version of something like, like that. And then they may also have, you know, from a, uh, a spiritual standpoint, some, some goals of, uh, I I want to be interconnected with others. I, I want to get outside of my own thoughts and help others to serve other people. And um, I, I realize that I need to get out of my own thoughts to be able to do that and actually to share some of my suffering sometimes to invite other people into recovery. <laughs> uh, and that's actually pretty inherent in a lot of um, spiritual models and from a religious standpoint. So, the first answer to that, uh, I think, is does a person already have something uh, in place? Let's identify that and then really look at it just like anything else. Like, uh, where are the gaps in that? And how can I, as a therapist, assist that person in living that out? Mm. And I'll talk about the motivational interviewing piece here in a second for less of the desired change, but um, didn't know if you had anything with that. No, no. I, one thing that 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 you mentioned that I think is 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 pivotal in this is that, uh, and when, when I'm talking with clients about about how to bring in other people and how to bring in you know loved ones and whoever, is uh, I it, I say it's it's your story to tell. That's right. You, That's right. You get yeah. to control what information gets out. Right. You're your own PR person. So if you know, it can just be the headline of what's going on. And it can be a veiled mm-hmm. headline. It can be as simple as, you know, gosh, I've got anxiety. Right, mm-hmm. and it can be, and you know, underneath it, it could, be, it, it, the next level can be, you know, I've got it, I've got OCD, mm-hmm. which is a little mm-hmm. bit more detailed, but it's not the nitty gritty of every single feared thought and you know taboo story that's running through your mind or that that thing yeah. that feels like it makes you the worst or the most blasphemous or the most whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We get to choose the depth of information that we're going to share with that person. Mm-hmm. And right. we share more with people that are have shown themselves to be trustworthy with that information. So yeah. you know, yeah. we, we don't share everything with our neighbor who we know is a blab and is a you know is a, 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 mm-hmm. a, a non-supportive of people mm-hmm. with mental health. You don't need to share anything with them, but you know, perhaps with your loved one, if they've shown themselves to be trustworthy with very intimate, vulnerable information, they get they get the privilege of hearing more. And, and, and that's, they, they are closer in your circle, kind of thinking about concentric circles of community, they are tighter in to who you mm-hmm. are. 
So mm-hmm. um, that, that's you know one element that I share with clients is is uh, you know you, you control the narrative on on your story. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And as as I'm talking about a lot of the positives and the support for and even just in other uh, disorders or challenges of life, how uh, we'll look at the role of community and so encouraging it as well with OCD and anxiety. Um, I'm really glad that you're bringing back to some of those other important principles or not other, but similar principles of uh, the healthy boundaries, healthy sharing Sometimes sharing is a hierarchical item. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, sometimes not sharing is the hierarchical item. <laughs> also a very good point. <laughs> and, and the trust piece is, is huge. Um, and I'm writing a book right now. I don't know if you, you know that. So um, the, uh, in the book, I'm looking to, it always depends on what the publisher says, mm-hmm. looking to dedicate a chapter on community and a big part of it that I want to make sure to address is the trust piece. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who've been burned oh, so terribly in uh, sharing and opening up. And so, while I am very positive on the role of community, uh, there, there's also nuance. Uh, there's an uh, considerations to to make uh, and so it doesn't mean automatically like oh, okay so you're married absolutely bring your spouse in there are plenty of situations that i work with that that's not wise immediately uh or communicating it as the person sees it at that moment or how they know to communicate it I might say okay well hold on this is um uh, there's we might want to uh, take a session and flush that out uh, as far as how you would communicate that or uh, you said prior that uh, that loved one um, just went off on you uh, last time you said you were having a, a hard time and you just you needed to compose you wish that you didn't but you had to and they yelled at you they screamed at you um, okay like is that a is that a pattern like let's let's talk about this so just to be really clear, yeah. like uh, the breaks, uh, there is appropriate discernment, and you just you said that so well. It's not going to go right. Yeah, there there are going to be those times that we that we don't bring that person in, right? I think that you know within some of these conversations, we always think about like, okay, how do I get community? How do I bring people in? There are going to be times mm-hmm. that we choose not to, and there are going to be people with whom we or. or people that we do not include for very strategic and thoughtful reasons but some of that can be fleshed out with a with a therapist but you know or or with a friend who you know knows you trusts you again relying on your community to talk about who you're going to let into your community uh it's a very exclusive (laughs) i suppose exactly exactly which ironically (laughs) is using your community so (laughs) right right um do you do you have any stories that you could share about uh you know when people have included their um their community and what sort of impact that has had Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely no putting on spot Um, no no um so I think that there some of the most obvious ones would be getting involved in the programming at the the state and international level. Mm-hmm. Um, so for uh, for me, generally, uh, International OCD Foundation, OCD Texas, um, and there's a lot of other organizations as well. Uh, OCD game changers, for example, and even uh, with peer recovery coaching, mm-hmm. um, it's 
it's a little different than therapy. Therapy, it, it is, it brings community. Uh, therapy is relational. And so, uh, I want to validate anybody listening to know that, hey, that's, that oftentimes is an exposure just to come into the therapist's office. It's facing a lot of uh, unknown fears and uncertainty. And that's an aspect of community. There's, we have literally legal and ethical limits <laughs> of what that community looks like. And so, it can only be something, not everything. Uh, not going to fulfill every human need <laughs> for social connection, obviously. Uh, so, uh, the examples would be when folks have heard another person share their story. It's not even them sharing their own story. They, they might not be ready. I would say that the peer recovery services has been really big for several clients. I've received some clients that they started with that. I also, as a clinician, uh, specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders, will refer them to a peer recovery coach while we're in the middle of treatment. Why in the world isn't either or? It's it's not. Sometimes people specifically need that connection mm. with another person who's gone through it. And so, um, uh, gosh, you know, many people can fit in into this. So, um, the thinking of uh, how much especially with some of those non-talked-about themes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, P, OCD. Yeah, the, tab uh, the taboo ones. Taboo themes, exactly. Um, it has been remarkably meaningful for several of my clients to have that conversation with somebody that isn't the therapist, mm -hmm. but they also have you know some of their, their own ethics, the peer recovery. Um, and uh, there have been some occasions where I've had clients say, um, hey, I'm in really solid recovery, and one of the ways that I want to give back is to make myself available. Mm -hmm. And we as clinicians, of course, have to do this ethically and be careful with it, but uh, it, state laws may differ on this, uh, but some clients have provided their phone number and just as a free open door, and I've uh, utilized that as well. When mm -hmm. somebody is struggling to say, hey, here's a person you may know a little bit of what you're going through if you're interested. Would you like to talk to them? And, and especially, um, I've actually got a handful of these folks who've made themselves available. And sometimes they're in the same industry <laughs> as somebody else work-wise or similar demographic or some of those themes are the same. Uh, and so, it, there are all some pretty neat, both of those peer recovery, a literal phone call or connection or um, also even just kind of in some of the advocacy efforts, if people show up and spend a little bit of time on those live streams or at an OCD walk event or conference, they can't help but notice, oh, here's this person saying something similar to me. And those are all some of the ways that I've seen a lot of great buy-in and a person walking away saying, oh, I'm not alone. Right. People usually know it theoretically, but just like with anything else that we do and therapy it has to be done experiential. Right. 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 Well, I know that, uh, you know, we've, we, we I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I want to find out just kind of near, near here at the very end. I wonder, is there, is there anything else that you'd want to add to kind of give, to kind of give, give people some insight into what community could look like for them, how they can start to incorporate that. And maybe even what, what would be a, you know, would there, could you offer a challenge to folks 
who might mm -hmm. be hesitant to do so, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in, in what would be a good first step in reaching out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Well, let me link it in as well with that second part that I didn't say, and I'll be very brief with this. Sometimes a person uh, struggles uh, naturally with uh, the thought of having community, but if it's indicated clinically and in the most obvious sense, if it's on their hierarchy, this is a step that you know they can they know like okay, I. Um, uh, one kind of s uh, simple example can be um, uh, a person has asked me directly, hey, you you doing okay? And I'm close to that person. I want them to know technically, but I'm afraid to. I'll use motivational interviewing. Really just start where they are. Uh, it's a, a therapeutic technique um, that helps to really uh, increase buy-in, look at actual motivation, but use a lot of, we call them Socratic questions to access what does the person truly care about. And so, in kind of recommendations or, or challenge, um, I, I'm going to go back to questions. Mm -hmm. um, what What is community to you? What would you like it to look like? Are there ways that you've seen community and again just simple definition of connecting with at least another person in a way that's meaningful uh ways that that's stood out are there ways that you would um you'd like to see that so that you aren't experiencing it now mm. and what's just a small tangible thing to do uh with that mm practicing a lot of self-compassion and acceptance, um, it doesn't have to be somebody else's step. Um, I'll use these big examples of, or you, know, you reference to even just the advocacy. We see some uh, great advocacy and people are only a couple of few years into recovery and they're bearing their lives to everybody. That, that's going to be, frankly, that's pretty rare. Um, but what what is the step um, that helps you to uh, to connect with the heart of uh, connection with someone else in a way that is meaningful. And then I suppose the challenge is just the kind of the inverse of that. Mm -hmm. uh, are, <laughs> are you being honest with yourself <laughs> where you are? Social psychology right. tells us in many ways that, we as human beings aren't very good at following through with the things that we say would make us happy. We say that it's not money that really, I mean, maybe some money. Sure. Uh, so this it happens in all other aspects of psychology too. So uh, are you by chance? I ask this in a gracious way because I do this. I've done this. I'm doing, I'll, I'll talk about being open and do therapy and then realize, Oh my goodness. Like, I've been really upset about something and anxious. I haven't told a single person this in two, three weeks, whatever else. And so it, me too. Um, but is there any self-deception in there that somehow you've got it or you need to have it all by yourself or that you're on point with your goals? But if you really, really sit down, would you say, I need a little more connection or maybe in the other side, maybe you need less connection. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be, I suppose, my, my challenge. 
what I one of the things I really or two of the things I really enjoyed and uh, or I think that it's important is to is the part that you you said like what would I, I oh I'm gonna mess it up but it was kind of this <clears throat> this element of like what would you what would Oh, I'm going to mess it up entirely. You, you, okay. you, you're kind of engaging with that 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 this fictitious person and kind of their imagination of what would they like connection to look like, right? Like, yeah. if, you know, yeah. if you could have connection in any sort of way, if it could be one step better than what it is that it cur- what it currently is, what could that look like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that points to the choose your own adventure element of this. Yeah. Community yes. does not have to be this. Yeah, again, that my, my ridiculous association of it's got to be your neighbor and your cousin and your coworker and your bu- it's <laughs> it can be who do you want it to be? And it, you know, I suppose it can be as simple as it can be that person you know that you played um, you know Call of Duty with for the past five years that you've never met online. That could be one person, could be, and it's and and that could be part of your community. But if that's part of their imagination of what bringing someone in can be great we'll start there and yeah but or not but perhaps and and you included this element of like what's one thing that you could do not how do you go from where you are right now to boom community you have it yep right yeah it's and and i think this is a this is certainly borrowed from act it's you know what is the the, what is one small step that you can do today to get you one step closer to your goal not to get to the goal but yeah. just you know the the little thing, and it's like, all right, the the like all right, I want to get a career in life. The first step is maybe f- fill out an application. That is not yeah. having your whole career. That is literally just yeah. one simple small step towards right. that goal. So maybe it is just calling a friend, sending a text, right? Just sending, hey, yeah. someone you haven't reached out to in a while, or reaching yeah. out. It's it, it, what is that one small yeah. step? So considering. What's the, even just the minute thing that you can do to move you closer in that direction? That's right. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, sometimes the small step can be the text. Sometimes that is the really scary step uh, for, for the person. Um, and it's okay if I take 60 more seconds to personalize this for, okay. Yes. So we therapists can be very good at asking the questions, but to turn them on ourselves (laughs) is a different story entirely. We're fine. Uh, What are you talking about? (laughs) So let me, let me be the first to walk this through. Um, what is one aspect of community that I'm lacking in today that I wish were a little bit more and is on mission, so to speak with uh, with my values. And I would say um, that that would be the friend connection piece. Mm. Um, right now, just the zone of life that I'm in, I'm very fulfilled and uh, attentive towards the time with my wife, my two little kids at home, uh, extended family. It's just the zone that we're in. Um, but I have really missed friendship recently. Mm. And there's been transitions of this last year that has just led to uh, a couple of folks that I was closer to not being able to have as much time with them. And so, if I walk this through for myself, I would say that. If I look at it emotionally, I would have to say, I've, I felt a little lonely with that piece. Mm-hmm. And so, what can I do? And Kevin, you can hold me accountable to this. I'm going to reach out. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text. I have one friend of mine. His name's Matt. And uh, I'm going to see you know, sometime here, my brain's like, oh, it's so busy Christmas season. You're trying to limit the things that you're doing. But here's what I'm going to do. Yeah, there's no guarantees to when it's going to work out. He might be busy during the season, too. I'm just going to be like, nah, you know what? After my kids are down, can we hang? 
you want to go grab a burger? Let's do it. Uh, hold me to it, Kevin. I, I will message you about that. Is there a time frame in which that text is, that text is going to happen? Give me maximum one week. <laughs> I'm going to do it here when I get off. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll hold you accountable to it. And I and uh, right. if if you <clears throat> if you if you do it prior to um, prior to the release of this episode, I will ho- I will let everybody know. So we as the Fearcast community can hold you accountable to that. What actually what what I what I love about what you said is is so indicative of an adult relationship. It's you mm. said, hey, I'm going to reach out to my buddy. Mm. And it may not happen this week. It may not happen next week. It may not happen until after mm. the holiday season. Mm. But I'm going to see him eventually. Mm. Sometimes yeah. you go, oh, I want to reach out to my community. Hey, can you do something tonight? Mm-hmm. Oh, they can't do it tonight? Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm, I'm host. I'm screwed. I'm, I'm not going to hang out with anybody and I'm going right. to be alone forever. So, That's right. You know, a, a, adult relationships, it's, you know, it's not like it was in the dorms where you just, you know, f- go down the hallway and see who's there. It's mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I, like I have, a, I have a really close buddy. Uh, his name is Jordan and he's been, um, he's been on the podcast before. But, you know, he's, he would, I would consider him one of my best friends. And I see mm-hmm. him like four times a year. Mm-hmm. And yet, I would consider him one of my closest buddies. And yeah. it's this, and it's it's a gradation. Some people see their friends every stinking day. Some people don't. So we need to have a little bit of flexibility with that. But mm-hmm. it just kind of shows this variation, perhaps, of of what community can look like, and it can be different. So, um, so, so, Justin, I know that um, we 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 took uh, all the time that we had allotted. So I appreciate your flexibility uh, today on that. Um, but um, if anybody has questions about uh, community, could they could they reach out? And would you be willing? to hop on uh, again to talk about community absolutely already just thinking with the time how uh, how much it's been both an honor but a lot of fun this has been just very easy to jump on with i enjoy the conversation awesome well justin hughes thank you so much for joining us and have a good day you too thank you kevin yep All right, everybody, thank you for making it through that episode. Um, If you have questions for Justin or would like uh, uh, to expand on some of the information or would like him to expand on the information, or if you have some feedback uh, for uh, for this episode, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can click on the uh, uh, submit a question link and just send me that message over there. Uh, You can also send me that that message, uh, again, over Instagram, and uh, I'll try to have Justin back on to uh, have some response or share. share some of your feedback on the next episode so everybody um please remember that the fearcast is not substitute for psychotherapy if you need a little bit of help in your recovery go over to fearcast podcast and click on the find help link and there's going to be some information for you there so everybody until next time take a risk challenge yourself and don't take your brain too seriously bye